and everybody gets it back again. Don't take no mess at the rose garden. Raise us their own fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can scrabble it. How they win that game today. There's just one thing you can say. How does Scotty shoot that three? Welcome back to the Rose Garden Report podcast. I'm Sean Pike, the author of the Rose Garden Report newsletter, which you can subscribe to at rosegardenreport.com. Free and paid subscriptions are available. The podcast is part of the Odyssey family, which you can subscribe to on the Odyssey app, as well as Apple, Spotify, YouTube, all the usual platforms where you get podcasts. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review, subscribe to the YouTube channel, help us grow the YouTube channel, all, all the usual stuff. I'm very excited about the episode that I have for you guys today. It's a first-time guest on this show, but somebody that I would imagine a lot of you are quite familiar with, and that is Casey Holdall, who for a long time has been the Trailblazers insider and beat writer for Trailblazers.com, for the team's website. And, you know, he has his own podcast. He has the Blazer Balcony with Brooke and he has the briefcase, which is kind of a shorter form thing, in addition to the writing that he does. And I wanted to have Casey on, not just because Casey's great, and I've wanted to have him on for a long time, we just haven't been able to make the scheduling work, but also just because Casey, since he is with the team and he flies on the team plane, he is at more games than any of the rest of us on the beat. Like, he's, he, he might miss one or two games a year, but he, for the most part, is at every single game, which you know, most of us are not. And so he has more of a perspective and more insight into how, you know, things are going behind the scenes and how, you know, certain guys are developing or any of that kind of stuff than most of the rest of us on the beat. And so I wanted to get Casey's kind of perspective on how the first week of the season has been going. The team is on the road right now. We're recording this on Tuesday afternoon. They play the third game of their three-game road trip tomorrow in Detroit. They had a loss to Philly to kick off the road trip, and then they got their first win of the season uh, yesterday in Toronto. So either a one-and-two road trip or a two-and-one road trip. So, you know, there were some encouraging things, I thought, in the win against uh, Toronto. I thought Scoot Henderson looked a lot more um, comfortable than he had in the past. Shaden Sharp continues to be impressive. DeAndre Ayton had by far his best game of the year, continuing to see positive things from... Tamani Kamara and Jamari Walker and some of the other young guys. So Casey and I kind of get into a lot of that as well as just kind of what he's seeing from some of the guys on the on the team. We get into like how he sees Scoot, you know, settling in. We get into how he's seen Shaden develop and you know DeAndre Ayton, how that kind of, how that fit has been going so far, and also kind of some of the longer term team building stuff. It's a good conversation. So uh, let's get to that right now. All right, we're recording this on Tuesday evening. Where Casey, you're in where? You're in Detroit now. Did you guys fly in already? Birmingham, technically, yeah, which okay. is a, a suburb of Detroit. But yes, uh, we we stayed over in Toronto last night, uh, as the team typically does. They have an off day. Yeah, uh, seeing it's got to go through customs and whatnot. So uh, stayed over and then flew this afternoon. Yeah, a little bit of a better atmosphere in the locker room, I would imagine, last night than. Uh, the last cup. I mean, I know, I know, I know it's a young team and it's not like there's like the type, like, so, like some of those losses last year, you know, you and I would be in the locker room with the other media and guys would be down. I think with this time, you know, with the team being kind of in the spot that it's in the, the, you know, the mood after these losses is probably a little bit different than it was last year, but still probably, probably a little bit nicer after a win last night. First Absolutely. And, and that was even something we talked about in the locker room a lot last night, which is the idea of, you know, obviously this is a young team. They know they're going to have some tr- struggles throughout the year, but if you're not having any success yeah. that you can like point to, uh, it, it kind of makes it hard at a certain point to feel good about what you're doing or to feel like you're, you're making progress. And so to have a win in that instance, I, I think it, it, it not only lightens the mood, but it just makes you feel like, yeah, we're, we're getting something accomplished or we're, we're making progress. And I think that's important for a locker room to feel that every now and then. Yeah, and especially for some of these young guys. Like, I, I, I watched all the media availability stuff from last night after the game, and, you know, Scoot was talking about, like, people are going to talk about how this was my for, my best game, but I'm only talking about it being the first win. But Scoot really did. Like, 
yesterday I thought, and I thought this was kind of a you know fun little you know self awareness I guess from him where he said like this is not what I'm capable of, but I guess it's my best game because I set the bar. As he didn't say it in these words, but he basically said like I set the bar as low as I did with those first couple of games. So my you know this was my best game, but he definitely like I you, you know you saw it in the building. I you know but to me at least watching it on TV, he looked so much more comfortable last night than he looked the first three games of the season. Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, that third quarter, I, I think easily kind of his best quarter thus far. And that is one of the, you know, it hasn't been that much time. So you really can talk about guys like Scoot from a quarter to quarter basis at this point. So, you know, he he definitely looked much more comfortable. It looked like he was, he's starting to figure out a little bit about picking his spots and understanding like yeah. when it makes sense for him to try to to put his head down and drive when it makes sense to maybe try to find other guys. You know, the, the three-point shooting is still obviously a work in progress. That's the only area I feel like last night where he he struggled. But other than that, and the fouling, I guess, too. You know, he, sure, he didn't yeah. get fouling out of that game. And a couple of fouls, too, last night where it's just like, those are really easy to fix. Like, he, he went over Jakob Portal's head one time when he already had a yeah. – basically, he'd already scored. I think he reached in one time when it was like, dude, there's no way that you're going to be able to get that ball. So, you know, like, he's still – He's still slowing down. I don't, and I mentioned this the other day. Like, I don't feel like the game is too fast for him. I feel like he's too fast for himself right now. And so when he does overexcited, yeah, exactly. And so when he does kind of slow down and and really take his time and really kind of take a, a beat, he he's been a much better player. And I think we saw that particularly in the second half of the Raptor game on Monday night in Toronto. A lot of the fouls to me have been. Almost like he's so eager to show. I, th- I think be- I think because you know him you know before before ant went down there was the talk of you know oh it's him and ant so that's two small guards that's going to be a bad defensive backcourt just like damon cj was a bad defensive backcourt or damon ant but i feel like scoot at times and this is probably all just rookie stuff is so eager to show that he's a good defender at his size that a lot of the fouls are like him being too like Oh, you know, overdoing it a little bit, trying to, you know, get a steal or like reaching in and getting a, I, I mean, every, everything that I've seen from him, all the struggles, it all feels like stuff that he's going to clean up at some point. Absolutely. And that is a lot of it. I haven't seen a whole lot of things that Scoot's done in these first couple games where in my head, it's like, oh boy, that's going to be a long-term problem for him. Yeah. You know, like I, again, I think the, the three-point shooting, that's probably going to be a season long process. But everything else feels like it's like, no, these are very correctable issues that he's having right now. And and sometimes you could even kind of see the growth and the progression from one half to the next. And so, yeah, I, again, while it hasn't been what I think people maybe expected and definitely not what Scoot expected, you know, I, I mentioned that to him last night. I was like, hey, you know, I, I know that they're probably not paying a ton of attention, but like, do you like feel that, you know, people are just kind of wondering what kind of player you are. He's like, yeah, I do. Because I feel that way myself. Like I haven't played the way that I wanted to play in the last week. And so, you know, like, it's not like I'm paying a ton of attention to what people are saying, but I know what I'm saying to myself. And I feel like I've been surprised that I've struggled a bit. And, you know, I think for, for a young player to have that kind of self-awareness and to not just be like, well, I don't care. And it's going to work itself out. You know, he, he could say those things and it would be fine. But to to be honest about like, yeah, like I haven't played as well as I would like to have played so far, but as long as everyone in this locker room knows that like I'm trying to improve, like I'm okay with it. Mm. Again, like I I think those are the kind of things that are going to serve him in his career going forward far more than like if he was just a really good three-point shooter now or like if he just had an innate ability to do X, Y, and Z. Like the the person that he is and and his awareness of who he is, I, I think really sets him on a path to have success going forward once those skills kind of catch up where to, or at least get to the point where I think a lot of us think they can be. We have some late breaking news. Did you see this Woj tweet about Keon? No, I, I did not. He's Keon Johnson has agreed on a two-way contract with the Brooklyn Nets sources tell ESPN. Oh, good man. So the, the Keon and Trendon reunited. I was going to say, yeah, Brooklyn is, is, you know, there's always been that kind of Brooklyn Portland idea anyways, from yeah. a cultural perspective. Mm-hmm. So yeah, now they're, they're getting some blazers. Yeah. Good for Keon. Yeah, good you know, for like Keon. It, yeah, that, he's that a guy just, to work. Yeah. He just hasn't had a chance yet. Like he, he gets drafted and then, you know, he obviously gets traded. The Clippers send him to G league right away. He gets traded. He has some personal stuff going on in his life. I think the passing of his father, I think was, yeah. was really tough for Keon. Jason as it would be for any really other story about that at the athletic last year. And, yeah. And, and, and so then, I think like that, last year he had the, he had the couple of injuries that 
And then I got you felt so bad from this year at Summer League, that first game, all the attention was on Scoot having the shoulder injury, but Keon, you know, dislocates his finger and misses all of Summer League. But right, yeah, that he had broken, and right when he was going to get to play at the end of yeah. last season, when they were, you know, transitioning over to yeah. play number one young, he breaks his finger in that first game, I think, and it's like, well, so best of luck, Keon, man. Yeah, he's, a, he's, a, he's a really nice young man, too. Great kid, worked super hard, guys yeah. all liked him. But I just, that just, that just came, it came down literally right now, so I just felt like we should absolutely that, that. that's worth that's worth a discussion for Any, sure anyway back to back to this uh road trip i think besides the scoot thing that's obviously the thing that most people are monitoring but i think the 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 other the other two big things that i think have emerged and i'm curious your thoughts on this as someone who's been at all of these games and kind of seen the progression one is shaden and the other is kind of the emergence of Tumani Kamara mm. as you know you hear we you start hearing a little bit during training camp after the Dame trade happens and he comes over and you know a lot of the attention is on Aiton but then you know you're you're seeing the practices in Santa Barbara we're not allowed in but you know when I was in there you know at, at the end when they let us in then you know talking to a couple people in the organization who were like you know what Tumani Kamara's had a really good camp and then that transitions into you know Chauncey plays him night one he's in the rotation and now it's like after what four games now it's like oh they're gonna have to find a lot more minutes for this guy yeah I think he played 23 minutes versus the Raptors which you know like Chris Murray who they took at 23 like didn't play in that game so like you know, he played, he, really... did he play in the I didn't see the second half of the uh Philly game but he he played I know Chris played in garbage time in yeah the, he got in at the end game? yeah okay yeah, I, I, he, he's he's been the. I think it's it's kind of Jabari Tumani or, or kind of splitting minutes. Yeah. So Tumani played backup center uh, versus the the Raptors the other night. So you know that might be something they unlock too when when they inevitably sit Rob as they're going to do from time to time this season to, yeah. to kind of manage his his injury history. And yeah, like Tumani has just come in and like played the right way. Like he he's got like he's the right size. He 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 has kind of a, a really innate understander. I, I don't know if it's innate, but like he has a very good understanding for a rookie. I mean, granted, he played four years at college, so he's got some 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 time in it of kind of understanding rotations, particularly on the defensive end. And obviously a guy who's not going to take a ton of shots. So, you know, there, there's not that concern either. You know, I, I really feel like him and, and Jabari have really been kind of the, after that, those first kind of top level guys, they've definitely been the the guys I've been most intrigued by. And, and you know, that those are the kind of things too where, you know, this season, I think a lot of us are expecting, like, we're going to figure out with a decent amount of clarity what kind of player we think Scoot's going to be as, as he develops. Second year for Shaden, I think it's like, this is a year where maybe, you know, that Shaden's got a year in. We're, we're really going to kind of figure out what we're going to see from these guys. And those are those are the important, the most important parts right. of this season. But I think it, you also have to consider, too, that, you know, like a guy like Tumani, you know, this situation provides an opportunity to see what a guy like Tumani can do where otherwise, you know, if they're even, you know, thinking they're going to be like a play in team, a guy like Tumani probably doesn't get a whole lot of opportunities. So, so it not only allows kind of, again, those top line, you know, top 10 picks to figure out what you have in them, but it also allows you to find out what you have in like the second round guys that you have in Jabari and in Tumani, where otherwise, you know, you, it might take a couple seasons to figure out what you have with those guys while you piece it together when they're playing kind of garbage time minutes or when they're getting thrown in when other guys are injured. So, you know, the, it, it really gives you kind of kind of a top to bottom opportunity to develop these guys and figure out what you have and figure out, you know, where you might have some, some holes that you can plug with these guys and also figuring out where maybe you might need to go out and look for, for areas where you might be deficient on your roster. So it really, it kind of lets them do both things from the top and the bottom. Yeah. And Tamani for me, it's, it's been, you know, watching him these first few games has really just, it's been, it's been a lot of the same stuff that you kind of saw early on last year with Jabari. Like Jabari yeah. didn't get in that much at the beginning of last season because, you know, you know, before, you know, they shut Dame down and all that stuff they were and before the season kind of went sideways, they were more leaning on, you know, playing more of the veteran guys. And so a guy like Jabari wasn't going to get in, but even early on in the season, every time he got in, there was stuff that you were seeing him do, whether it was like grabbing, it was not necessarily like stuff that's going to show up as, as, you know, stats, but like he's boxing a guy out or he's grabbing a loose ball or it was, you know, 
Jabari kind of had that thing last year where you just look at the way that he plays and the way that he is able to kind of make positive, impactful plays, and you're you're like, this guy's going to have a 10- or 12-year career as a role player. And I kind of already feel like that's, like, Tumani, I I feel like already, like, this guy is going to have, like, a decade-plus-long career in the NBA just based on what we've seen so far. Yeah, I I would completely agree. And I I think Tumani definitely, you're right, Sean, strikes me as the kind of guy who, you know, five or six years from now, Anytime there's like a trade, there'll be a guy who like who we want, and we want to get a guy like Tumani Kamara in that trade. You know, like there's always you know like the you talk about the the stars, and and those are kind of the the main parts of this trade. And then, and then I would say the the Portland trade for Dunder eight probably qualifies for that. But then there's always like who are the guys that every team kind of wants, or or just the profile of a player that every team knows they need one or two of those guys. Like a Herb Jones type. Exactly. I mean, I would, Herb Jones might even be a little bit of a level above that just because he's such right. an elite defensive guy. But you're right. Like the kind of guy where it's like, is he going to be our our star player? No. Is he going to be a 15, 18 point a night guy? Never. But is he going to be a guy who comes in and plays 35 minutes for you and shoots 38% from three and like 45% from the corners and can switch, you know, one through four. And we also feel like can go out and make a play defensively for us when we need that to happen. Like Tomani already feels like he's going to be one of those guys. I think Jabari, maybe with a, a, maybe a little more of an offensive game, but kind of the same idea as well. So, I mean, and the Blazers haven't had those guys in a long time, you know, like they've, it's always been Dame, a guy like Nurk, maybe a guy like CJ, and then, you know, a bunch of guys who kind of are in the last year of their deals or are kind of trying to hang on in the league. Like there, there just hasn't been many like young grinder guys on this team lately. And so to have multiples of those guys, uh, I think is, is really a nice development for this team. And, and it goes to show like a broader approach to team building than just like, let's get one star and then see, if we can get guys around him that are going to make this a better team, they, they already have guys now where when they do get that star, it's looking like they have guys that can put around those players to have success while also not making a ton of money and always uh, causing problems when they're on the court. This is kind of a new thing for this. You've been, you've been with the team. How long? This is my 17th season with the team. And so I guess 19 covering, if you want to go a few years before that. So your first year with the team was what? Oh six or oh seven or uh, yes, oh seven. Yeah. So the the year they drafted Odin. Exactly. So this is kind of the first time since then that it's been this type of uh you know we know everybody knows that this is like a from the ground up type of and I guess there was a little bit of that at the beginning of because like that you know the first year they draft Odin. You know, he misses his whole rookie season, but they still, like, they weren't terrible that year. That was the year they had, like, the 13-game winning streak. I think they finished 41-41, and 41, just missed the playoffs. And then, uh, you know, the next three years with, you know, the Roy Aldridge, even though Odin had the injury stuff, the next three years they make the playoffs, and then they have the one, you know, down year with, you know, the the Raymond Felton, Jamal Crawford year with the lockout where they trade everybody at the deadline. And then they drafted Dame, and it's just kind of been, you know, when they drafted Dame, it was like LaMarcus was still there, and they were pretty good pretty quickly. This is like a pretty new thing, really, for certainly since I've been covering the team, but even more so, you've been covering the team a lot longer than I have. But, like, is this, this is a new kind of a new thing for you, too. Yeah, I think you do have to go back maybe, like, right before I started, maybe, like, and eh, not even right before, I, whatever the the few years before the Aldridge Roy draft, when I think, you know, they had like the Graham twins or something like that, they were uh, like the, the bottom of it was like post jail blazer, but they were a very bad team. And I think they won like 20 games or something that season. Like that was the last time that they really kind of were at this level where it's like, this is a not, maybe not from a ground up rebuild, but definitely maybe a, part of a foundation and then everything else has to get put in so this is the first time in i think basically two decades that they've really like started from scratch if you want to call it that again it's not from scratch but you know close enough to it it's starting from nobody came into this year thinking that they were going to be like a serious you know title contender absolutely so casey i'm curious now that you know we're a week into the season 
they're you know we've had the whole training camp for both me but also more so you just because you're you know you know more visible as like you know somebody associated with the team i'm sure you hear from a lot of fans and a lot of readers and listeners and stuff just about how people you know we, we just talked about how this is the first time in a long time that the team has kind of been going in this direction what kind of feedback have you gotten from people that you've talked to you know fans listeners whatever about just how people are feeling about it yeah i, th- I think it's a bit mixed you know i i think that you know we and we even kind of talked to scoot about it after the the raptor game like i think there's a there's a certain segment that i think feels like they were expecting a little bit more right from the jump from mm-hmm. scoot so I, I think so for some people it's like maybe this is going to take a little bit longer than I thought it was going to take again. It's been a week, so it's, yeah. It's, but you know, uh, again, like it, uh, and we, I was just talking about this with Brooke, like you want your fans to be passionate and you know, you would hope that passion doesn't come over as negativity, but also it's like, they just want to see the team do well. So like you, you, you ever can't ever fault anyone for being like, well, I, I wish this was a little better. So I think there's, there's a, there's a part of the fan base that feels that way. I think there's definitely a part of it. that's like, Hey, we're in this for the long haul. Like, you know, when you're transitioning from a guy like Damian Lillard and you're going in a different direction, that it's going to take some time. And we understand that. And uh, so I think there's a, there's a really strong segment of the fan base too. That's like, Hey, like, this is kind of what we signed up for. Like, would we like it to be faster? Would we like to win some games? Yeah, absolutely. But we also understand that like, if you want to move forward and if you want to have a real chance to be successful, it's going to take a little bit of time. And I think particularly for fans that were like, are we really going to be a team that just makes the playoffs and gets bounced in the first round every year? Like, is that really the best we can expect for those fans, especially, I think what's there quite a few of them. I, I think the process that the players are on now, I think for those fans it is much more understandable than in maybe for your more casual fans who are just like, yeah, I love Dame and I want to see the team win. Like, why aren't they doing that anymore? And then I think there's also a, a third segment. It's a smaller segment, but people that are like looking at the veterans on the team and being like, why is Jeremy taking shots or like, why haven't we traded Malcolm Brogdon yet? Like, so I, I think that there's, and those are the people that are like, I want this thing fully down to the studs. Yeah. Like, I want picks. And I don't want a single guy who's going to make this team even halfway decent. And I just want to get assets. So I promise you guys, as somebody who's been around this for a long time, you guys don't actually want that. No. And in one, because it does get, it gets old after a while. And yeah. two, and this is something that I know we've talked about and with, with Dan too, Sean, that, you know, like you, you have to have some players around to keep the organization, like with an air of respectability on the court that allows guys to get better. Because if it's just like, we're getting our heads pounded in every single night, like that, that is not a way to develop. And, you know, you need to play, so it's like you don't necessarily want vets to come in and take away minutes, a lot of minutes, at least from guys you're looking to develop. But you also have to have guys out there that give your team, again, a veneer of competitiveness that allows them to go out and work on the things that you've been working in in practice without it being like we can't even get the ball across half court without feeling like we're going to get it stolen away. So like you, you do have to find that balance when you're a team that is going a different direction and it is pivoting between – being good enough to where you can make some progress while also not being so good that, you know, the, the some of the other goals that you exactly have kind of, those can all, can all meet. So it is a, it is a balance and you're exactly right, Sean, like when you've been around it and you see it go to like the, the worst side of it, it's like that gets really tiring really quick. And the idea that like, I don't, I don't care. Like you, it sounds play. great on paper. It yeah. sounds cool as a thought exercise or like if you're doing it in 2K, it's like, oh yeah, we're just going to be, you know, the worst team that's ever been assembled for two years and get some draft picks. And I I will never forget back when I was still in Chicago when I was covering the Bulls, my last year on the beat was the Rondo Wade Butler year, mm. which like that's a whole other thing. But two of the guys on that team were Michael Carter Williams and Isaiah Cannon both of whom were on 
some of those process Sixers teams. And honestly, now that I think about it, Jeremy was on one of those process yeah, Sixers teams also. But I remember talking to both MCW and Isaiah Cannon at different points that season about just how much it sucked to be on those Philly teams where they had zero vets. They, you know, that was all like basically not NBA players or like G League level guys on those teams. They go in every single night knowing that they're going to get blown out by 30 and they're not even going to have a chance to win. It's just... It's just, it's not, like, I get the math of, like, of, like, yeah, you know, it makes sense to lose as many games as possible, so you have the best odds of getting the next pick, but it also, like, is that really the environment that you want to put Scoot and Shaden in at this early point in their careers where they are learning how to be NBA players and building habits and building tendencies that they're going to carry with them for the rest of their careers or is it maybe worth a couple of extra wins and a couple of worse you know a couple like like half a percentage worse lottery odds to have Malcolm Brogdon in the locker room for you know at least half a season if not a full season to be like no Scoot you know you're doing this wrong you should be doing this instead like I I I, like to me like long term that's going to be worth it absolutely and you're exactly right Sean like there there is a human element to this thing obviously these are human beings playing a game and, you know, they react like human beings to situations. And, you know, particularly when you're players and you're high-level players, like you're not used to losing all the time. You're definitely not used to getting embarrassed by other teams. And that will absolutely happen if if given the, the proper context or circumstance when you're a team that is trying to rebuild. And those – and again, like it, you can do that for a bit. Like, and, you know, players are fairly resilient and, you know, they are being compensated well. And I think people look at that and say like, well, yeah, then, you know, you just kind of deal with, with wins or losses the way that, that we want you to, because you're being compensated. But it really does get to a point where it's like, we have to feel like we are making some progress. And it's just very hard to do that if, you know, you're just getting, you're getting blown out and you're, again, you're not even getting an opportunity to like, to work on the things that you need to work on because you you don't have that baseline level of talent to where like you're just not getting the ball poked away over and over and over again or like you're just again like I think we've seen from time to time like really outmatched teams you there's only so much you're learning in those situations and so if your goal is really I want to see a guy like Scoot or I want to see a guy like Shaden like really become like cornerstone kind of guys or guys we think can be those kind of players you have to pair them with some guys who actually know how to play because if not, like you're never going to build those, those habits and that culture too. And like, you know, I, I think the, the notion of a team having a culture and having a way they do things, it is, is actually important. It is. And again, it's hard to talk about building a culture if you're purposefully going out with a team that you know, isn't going to do very well on a night to night basis. And I think also just, and you, you know, you and I were around it the last couple of years, both, you know, the previous season and last season once you know we got to the second halves of those seasons and the organization started you know approaching them the way that they approached them uh nobody around it was really enjoying it like i'm not even talking like i know that like the front office had their reasons for doing that but like i've talked to the people in the front office about it like they i don't think they're like they were excited about doing that i don't think they really have much of an appetite to do that again going forward no, like they don't. I mean, because no one gets into this business to like lose basketball games. You know, like you you get into it because you you enjoy the game, mm-hmm. you love the sport, and you you feel like you have something to contribute to it that can be successful. And you know, like there has been a lot of kind of NBAification of the NBA to yeah. where like it, it it has taken on a different role. And I think you do have some executives now who maybe not as interested in the actual game itself as like the trappings of being in the NBA. But for the most part, like if you're in this business, it's because you enjoy basketball and want to see a basketball team that you're a part of do good things. And so, yeah, like when you're losing the way that, that they've lost last to end the last couple seasons, no one likes that. And it gets old real fast. And again, it, it, it can be hard to pitch to your players and to your fan base, especially like, Hey, these are the things that we value. If you're competing, you're putting a team out every night that has really no chance to compete. So like, again, it is about that balance. It's about a balance with your fans too. And, you know, again, I think 
if it's a couple seasons, people are willing to endure it. If it feels like it's becoming kind of who you are as an organization, right? That's you don't want to be the Rockets for the last couple of years. No, and, and again, I, and I and I would say, you know, that also goes to the direction of like you don't want to be the team that is always just fighting for the eight seed, right? And that feels like you're just lambs to slaughter of against the one seed, you know, like so it, it there's different varying kind of degrees of that as well. Like when when you've come to realize that you've kind of hit a peak of something like you either ask yourself like, Hey, is this peak high enough or we need to try something else. And I think for the longest time, four five, six years, the organization was just like, Hey, th- this peak is high enough for us. Now they've had some changes and it's like, no, th- this is not good enough. Like the point is to be a championship team. If we want to do that, like we're going to have to make some changes and they're going to be difficult changes, but if the goal is to be a championship team, these are the things we need to do. So I, I think the, the Blazers are kind of in the midst of that right now. We just have some more. There's a lot of late breaking news while we're recording. Did you just get this one too? Uh, is this Ant? Yeah. Yeah. So just for posterity, this is the press release the team just sent out. Trail Blazers guard Anthony Simons underwent successful right thumb surgery to, today to repair a torn UCL uh, a full recovery is expected with a return to play timeline of approximately <laughs> six weeks. So that puts it at what mid December or so. Yeah, that that seems about right. Okay, well, that's it. That, it was it was interesting when they announced it the other night. I was kind of curious where your mind went or kind of where your head is at with it. Now it seemed you know because I remember you you and me and Danny were talking before the game. Uh, you know, the the home opener against Orlando, right, a couple hours after they announced this, that, you know, should they start Scoot and Shaden? Should they start Malcolm and one of them and just let, like, let the other one kind of get brought along slowly off the bench? And, you know, you know, I would think on merit that would be Shaden that would stay in the starting lineup. But clearly Chauncey, at least for the time being, has decided that the way to go is... Scoot and Shaden are going to have to learn how to play together and how to play heavy minutes together and play against starters. And they're still going to, he's still going to kind of have Malcolm as like the security blanket coming off the bench. How do you feel like that's gone so far? Having, you know, been at the last couple of games on the road. I think it's gone. Okay. Um, I, I think seeing Scoot's performance in the Toronto game makes you feel better about it. Um, because yeah, I, at a certain point, if a guy is kind of going through some struggles consistently, you know, at, I don't think it, it's three games or even 10 games where you're like, all right, we probably need to make a change here. But at a certain point, you might need to make a change. So the fact that he was able to have some success in that Raptor game, I think, makes you feel a bit better about it. The other thing I would say, too, is I feel like Chauncey's played it well in that, you know, he's starting Scoot. He's starting Shaden. Players want to start. Yeah. Shaden had even mentioned, you know, at the end of last year in his exit interview, I would like to start next season. Like, I feel like that's something I can do. And so now he's getting the start with Anthony out. But also, I think Chauncey's getting to Malcolm within like the first three or four minutes of the game. So you're able to give a young player a start, two young players a start, mm-hmm. who I think probably feel more than other guys if they're not starting, while also being able to quickly get to Malcolm Brogdon, who, you know, of the three guys, who's the best player right now, it's Malcolm yeah. Brogdon. Got to massage those egos. Like, it's, not it's, not, it's, not even that Malcolm has, like, a huge ego, but just, like, as a veteran who has earned a certain level of respect in the league and just won sixth man of the year and, you know, has been a high-level, you know, starter on good teams for a long time, you don't want to just say, like, it's a lot easier for him, you know, to, for Chauncey to go to him and say, Look, you know, we, you know, we're going to bring you off the bench because we want to develop, you know, these two young guys that we have in the backcourt. If you're also going to him and saying, "Look, yeah, we want to we're going to bring you off the bench, but you're also going to play enough that, you know, we're not you we don't just have you as like a break glass in case of emergency guy when you're clearly a better player than that at this point still in your career." Absolutely. And, you know, I think, you know, the the relationship that Chauncey had with Malcolm prior to to Malcolm coming on the team, I think probably helps that. Um, and I think, you know, when you win six men of the year, the season before you're like, okay, yeah, I don't mind coming off the bench because, you know, like I, I'm being recognized for the work that I'm doing off the bench. So I, I think that, again, I, it seems to be working fairly well. And I think, you know, if, if Scoot's able to make some progress here in the next couple of weeks and really feel like 
you know, you're not putting him in a situation where teams are really going at him right from the from the rip and he's having a hard time dealing with it, then I think you you definitely write it out. I I do think there is some some validity to the point though that like if he did continue to struggle, like it is he being served by starting, you know, and, and I don't think they're they're to to that point where they need to have that conversation. But I, I thought that, you know, preseason, I think Chauncey got asked a question by someone about like, you know, can can Scoot basically just go out and make any kind of mistakes and you're just gonna continue to play him? And Chauncey was like, Well, no, because like at a certain point you have to you have to correct things and it's hard to correct something if there's not a kind of a, a stick is not the right way to put it, but just the idea that like there has to be repercussion. And so you're going to get benched that, if you do this too many times in a row, like that has to be there. Right. Yeah. There, there has to be an idea that where like, and, and again, it's not even a punishment, but just like, Hey, we're trying to win a game right now. Like, and if you're not the guy that's going to help us win right now, we got to go a different direction. And so, you know, it, it could get to that point. I don't think it's anywhere close to that. And again, like I'm expecting now that, that he's had just a little bit of success. Like I, I think he's going to probably continue to, to kind of build from that. You know, I, I imagine they're probably going to, going to stick with that when Ant is able to come back. That's when I think it becomes going to get interesting. Yeah. That's where it becomes more like, I, I actually don't have a real solid sense of how I think that might play out. So that's going to be the part too, where it's like, you know, if Shaden was killing it this entire time, like, like he is, is he going to go back to the bench? Like, you know, or if Scoot was continuing to struggle, like, is it like, are we going to continue to start him when we got Ant here? And now I think the team does kind of view Ant as a two now. So maybe that, that kind of works itself out, but that, that is the part where, I mean, it it stinks that Ant got injured. Like, I mean, he's a guy who, you know, was really ready to take a step both kind of on the court and the locker room. Like, he was just awesome a, in that first half of the Clipper game. Too, he was yeah. great in that first half. Just a, a real bummer to have that happen in the first game. Yeah, but it does kind of it it loosens things up from a from a minutes perspective in that backcourt. Which again, you'd rather have Ant out there, but if it also gives Chauncey the capability to kind of mess around with those lineups a little bit more, even if guys aren't necessarily quote unquote earning those minutes, I think there's a benefit to that too. What have you seen from Shade in these first four games? At you know, compared to kind of what what he was doing last year, like what, like what what are the areas where you've seen him grow the most or get the most comfortable? I think uh, ball handling and and particularly ball handling in terms of like understanding how to run a few things as as kind of the ball handler. Uh, I think that's been a, a real area of growth for Shaden. Um, not being completely confused on defense i think it has has been a bonus and you know defense is a work in progress for this team i think we've seen particularly early in games like yeah. it's a it's a little rough out there sometimes like um in that raptor game i think there are a few early dunks and i think a lot of us were like boys it's gonna it's gonna be like that magic game and it ended, ended, ended up being like that so that was nice um so i think he's made some progress there and just his, his i don't know if i'd say his confidence but just his uh his belonging on the court, I, I guess. And like, you know, Shane's a guy who I don't think that he thinks real deeply about any of that kind of stuff, but just kind of knowing that like, these are the things that I can do that maybe some other guys can't do. And recognizing that I think has been an area that, that Shane has grown in, in as well. Um, and I think, you know, he was already a decent rebounder. I think the rebounding has been, been a nice little ancillary benefit from Shane. I think he's, he's learned how to use his athleticism a, a bit more than, than he did last year. So I think that's, that's obviously been a, a positive thing as well. Um, I would say though, like he's fouling a little more than I, than I figured he would have. And that, that seems to be kind of an issue team wide. So that might just be the way they're playing things right now. But, you know, I, I would say that, 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 and also just like his, his confidence in his outside shot too, uh, I think is, has improved a, a bit. So, you know, I, I think he, he's played, quite well uh, I feel like and I don't even think he's like played really like as well as he can even for where he's at right now so uh you know I I and I've I mean I've been saying this for a while like Shaden for me is always is the guy who I think is like if you're asking me like who's going to be the guy that this team is going to be built around eventually like 
it's to me it's shade. Like I know that more so than Scoot. Yeah, it, it, it is because I I just feel like he's. I think Shane's level of talent, like his, his what he has in him, his capabilities, if he's able to harness kind of the the best parts of himself, mm-hmm. I, I think is is greater than anyone else on this team. I, I I really feel like, you know, between his his measurables and the, obviously the, the athleticism, and and also his mentality too, and just like his kind of like laissez-faire approach he doesn't seem of, bothered by anything really. he, I mean, he's not, and i don't know how much of that is just like outwardly because like he's such a hard guy to read like we've been around him for a whole year we're still kind of trying to get to know him a little bit and get out of get him out of his shell to a degree but he's such a he just seems like he's so like like you throw anything at him and he's just like he just kind of is so matter of fact about like the way he responds to anything he, he absolutely is and again like i think those are the kind of guys that can really have success in the NBA. You have to care. And, you know, Shaden does care, but it can't be like, there There has to be a certain level of, not swagger, but just like letting things roll off a bit. And Shaden is is a guy that's like that. And yeah, you're, you're exactly right, Sean. We are just, we're all still kind of figuring Shaden out a little bit, but I, I also think that like, this is just kind of who Shaden is. Like, I, I think that, you know, he's one of those guys that's just kind of on his own his own wave a, a little bit. And, you know, he, it's it's not like he's, like, even coming out of a shell. It's just like this is just – this is the egg the, that, that Shaden is. And it's he, – he's a, he's a different guy for sure. But uh, I, I think he has all the things that would allow him to be a superstar player. Like, I, I really do. Like, I, I, I have really high expectations for Shaden. And, again, more so than anyone else on the team. Last guy, I know you got you got to go soon, but last guy I want to bring up who we really haven't talked about at all. A huge game last night against the Raptors, kind of up and down before that. But like, what have you made of DeAndre Ayton so far? Yeah, I, I think Da is a guy who's you know I, I think everyone is figuring out how to play with him. I, I think for centers especially, you know you you put in some time with with a certain group of guards, and then that switches, and then it's new to group of guards. You're already new to the team, anyways. So I think for him. Maybe a little more of a of a transition with Ant going out than, than maybe anyone else in the team, and I think we've seen kind of that he started to to build and grow and, and figuring out kind of this is the way that that Chauncey wants to do things. This is the way that that we're going to play, and I think too just having a guy who who's willing to to crash the glass the way he is and to you know to have a kind of that traditional in the paint back to the basket center that they haven't had in a, in a while. You know, like I maybe since like a guy like Joel Prisbilla, like I, I think it just it just looks a particular way on the court that uh, I think is has started to to come together, and you know I, I think that they're they're getting just enough offense from, it. and I think they probably would like to maybe run a few more things for for DeAndre at this point, and I think they'll probably get to that eventually. But you know, between kind of his presence in the locker room and and being a, a young vet and and really kind of being supportive of some of the younger guys. So he had some great stuff about Jabari last night. I saw that. Um, yeah. yeah. He, I like, it, it's been a, I think it's been a real nice transition for, for Deandre. And, you know, I, I think there, there's still a ways to go there. And, you know, he's the kind of guy too, where like, I, he needs, he needs a bit of table setting from, from the people around him. And I think right now, you know, the, the Blazers are probably a little deficient in that. So I think he's probably the, the guy who you see it most in his performance, but, you know, I, I think, First blush, I, I think it's it's been a really nice partnership, and I think he's a he's a guy who they feel like they can build around going forward. And you know, as soon as he's able to maybe build some chemistry with Scoot, build some chemistry chemistry with Shaden, and even like with a guy like Malcolm, you know, obviously like coming from San or from Phoenix, you know, had a very good group of guards there. This is a different kind of group of guards at a different skill level right now. And again, I, I think for a center, they're more reliant on other players to get them going than anyone else on a team. And I think we're seeing that a little bit, but I I think that you're starting to see kind of that incremental steps being taken. And, you know, when a guy, you know, sets his career high in his fourth game for your team and rebounding, something that's fairly important for a center, that's a pretty good thing. Real interesting to see what happens tomorrow, because obviously, so I don't know if you saw the injury report yet, but Jalen Duran, who's having an 
awesome year. He's been great. Pistons questionable tomorrow with a left ankle sprain. So oh, he is that. That must have been a new ad. I I, I saw they just put that out like a like like a half an hour before we started recording. I did the dumb rookie thing where I just took the injury report from the game notes, not from the actual NBA site. Big mistake. You always you always go to the NBA site. They have the most updated information. You and I, you and I are kind of vets at this. I remember, I remember I a, year, I, a year ago this time we were like refreshing, refreshing, refreshing for every injury report because of one thing in particular that we were waiting for updates on with it. Yeah, yeah it has been a race in that. Yeah, like, and you know, even manipulating the URL. whoever can tweet, whoever can tweet it out the fastest exactly. to get the retweets. That's yeah. that's that's what the job is now. <laughs> Boy, I wish that wasn't the case, Sean. But for better or worse, for better or worse, and yeah. that's one thing I'll say too. Injury stuff always does great. Like, it, yeah. I don't know if it's macabre or it's what, gambling like, and fantasy. That's all it, it is. Injury stuff always does really well. That's right? literally what it is. Is like, like it's gambling, it's DFS stuff. It's and that's the one thing. Like, I don't, I don't love the way that a lot of like the sports betting stuff has like taken over the entire like sports media. But the one thing that I think has been a positive of it is that teams have to be so much more transparent now with reporting injuries and and saying like what like how long a guy is going to be out like they ha- like teams have to be so much more upfront about that kind of stuff because of the gambling inv- implications now that the league all the sports leagues are actually in bed with these gambling companies. Yeah, and for me like I I it's interesting for me I I feel like it is semi useful to have another group of people who know what they're talking about or at least who understand the business that they're in who are also kind of figuring out how a game is going to go so what i mean by that is like if i feel like a i'm looking at a matchup and i think it's going to go a particular way and then if i see the line and it's like wait that's way bigger than i figured it would be mm-hmm. for me that's helpful because it's like okay it, it, it forces you to kind of reconsider your assumptions because it's like well what does Vegas know that I don't know here? And so that's for me where it's like, if you see a line really move, or if you don't see it move at all, when you have like an injury news, it's like, it, it, it's 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 useful at times to to try to gauge or to to again to check your own assumptions about how things might be going because those folks in Vegas are are dispassionate about it. Like, yeah, they're they're just out for the dollars. So what whatever the whatever they think is going to play is coming from a place of an analytical perspective, not a, I really want my team to win. So I think they're going to, I'm going to set the line this at this level. Right. So I think that's probably, I know you, you got to go. So tell, tell people about, cause I think, I think what you, this is the second year you've been doing the briefcase podcast in addition yeah. to the blazer balcony, which is you and Brooke. But uh, I think the briefcase to, to me, it's been really useful to have as like a, you know, because I'm at all the practices and all the stuff, and so I get all, you know, I am at all these, like, media availabilities, but it's, like, still sometimes I miss stuff, and so just oh, yeah. having it having it all in one place, or, like, there's been times where, like, one of us will tweet out a quote, and it'll get taken out of context with, you know, like, there was a lot of that with, like, the Gary Payton injury yeah. stuff, or, like, some of the Dame stuff when there were, like, the trade rumors or whatever, and having all of the audio where you can actually hear it in context, the way the guy actually said it and just having it out there for like podcast listeners to get, I think is very useful and helpful. That That's very nice of you to say, Sean. And that's why I started doing it was because literally like sometimes there, there's, there's something a guy says in a practice where it's like, I probably don't have enough to write a story about that, but it's a, it's an interesting quote and it's an interesting idea and I feel like, you know, and if you the, tweet, if you just tweet out the quote, it's going to get like taken out by like, it's going to get like, you know how the aggregator, you know, right. It's yeah. like, it's like, it's like, it's like a run. It's like a cliche now for NBA podcasters to talk about the aggregators, but you know, it's a thing. It happens. Yeah, absolutely. And so it, it allows you to provide a little more context for, for those things. And it, it gives a place for some of that stuff to live to where, again, like sometimes it's something you feel like is kind of interesting, but it isn't maybe big enough to do something with. Or that you just want to kind of get out faster than you would if you wanted to write a story. Yeah. And need to do three or four more interviews to, to kind of flesh it out. So I, I really appreciate you saying that, Sean. The, the response has been great. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, like it's in, – in some respects, like it, it it's not all of our podcasts. But, like, everyone has a – if you're at practice, you're asking questions. Like, I use your stuff in there all the time, Sean. Like, Yeah. We all, we all kind of use – you know, it's exactly. all, it's all group and stuff. It's all – yeah. That's the part of it, too, where it's like, you know, the – less and less 
you know, as, as, particularly as, there, as there's less media kind of covering things, like, mm-hmm. you definitely lose that camaraderie part of it where it improves your work when more people are participating in it. And, you know, you know this, Sean, like, yeah, it's nice to have guys one-on-one sometimes. Yeah. But you also, like, when you're in a scrum and someone else is asking a question, like, sometimes it's like, oh, I It's I like jogs, it like, it like fires you, like, oh, I didn't think about that. Let me piggyback on this and, like, follow up on this. Or exactly. Something. And totally. even, I, and I was talking to someone in Toronto last night, even sometimes it's like, hey, it's nice to have someone else asking questions just so I can think of another question, you know? Like, so, you know, it, it, it's, the, that, the balcony has been, a, or excuse me, briefcase has been a place where I can throw some of that stuff to where, like, the, the good stuff that some the other people are doing in market that, again, might not get exposed. Like, you can hear a question that someone asked that, like, got a really good answer. And, you know, I, I think it, it's – I hope that it benefits all of us. So, uh, so like and subscribe. We got, a, we, got a, we got a good little ecosystem going with – I think so, with, yeah. You know, the briefcase with what I'm doing with what Danny's doing and then yeah. what, you, what you and Brooke are doing with the Blazer Balcony, which is also – very entertaining. Yes, though we, but, we just recorded today, and I think uh, we went 15 minutes without actually talking about any basketball. It was probably a little bit too long. But. That's that's you know when when it's people that I mean you know people associate you with the team, and people obviously much more so associate with Brooke with the team because she's yeah. on TV and she's a sideline reporter. But it's like I don't even think it's the worst thing in the world when you go that long without oh, talking about. No, basketball. I mean I I always enjoy it too, um, and she's got some. I mean. The amount of people that she met in London when she was on her study abroad at Washington State, like, she, we, we talked about this. She's like, I met Madonna, I met Usher, one of, one of the uh, I gotta listen to one of people episode. I lived with uh, had Wu-Tang over, like, it's like <laughs> what? It's like, if you're an American in London, like, you just get to meet any American that's coming through as an act, so. Okay. Yeah, so. Uh, I gotta I listen to this, uh, this episode yeah. you guys just recorded. Yeah, it was a. Uh, yeah, we, we went some, some different directions. Okay, well... And when we're on the road, too, like, you, you get all goofy when you're on the road. Yeah, like, you guys got to keep yourselves entertained as well. You, as you can always tell the, the road episodes, because they, they get a little uh, little loosey pieces. Yeah. More so than, than usual. Yeah. So, everybody, go check out, you know, check out the briefcase, check out the Blazers Balcony, all Casey's written stuff at uh, trailblazers.com. We will do this again during the season. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Sean. Really. See you, Sean.